If you're interested in small business, you're going to want to subscribe to the Small Business Showcase by Kaizentree. We meet with small business owners every week to discuss lessons that you can apply in your own journey. Learn from their failures, successes, and stories to discover how to build a life doing what you love. For those of you who already have a small business, be sure to check out kaizentree.com, an online platform that helps manage your inventory, sales channels, customer relationships, and more. Hello and welcome to the Small Business Showcase. My name is Marcos, and as always, it's great to have you here. With me today is Manon Rath from Leaf the Label, a brand that sells ethically made homewares, womenwear, and babywear, which is sourced from artisans around the world. So uh, yeah, it's great to have you here. Thanks. Um, I feel very honored to be here. <laughs> no, I'm glad to hear that. Um, so I figured for the start, we could maybe begin by, you could introduce your business and essentially how you started it so our listeners can get a sense of what you're doing. Yeah, sure. So um, like you've mentioned, we sell ethically made homewares, baby wear, women's wear. Originally, it started only with cushions or homeware. And then I thought, well, if we're kind of trying to promote buying sustainably and ethically, I was like, why not just do it like throughout your day-to-day life, not just mm-hmm. homewares? And that's when we started doing women's wear and baby's wear as well. We are planning on doing some men's wear. It takes a bit more time for me, but we're getting there. Um, why we started out, it's a long story. I always knew I wanted to do something creative, but I wasn't sure how or how I'm actually going to be able to make money out of it because a lot of creative people are great at designing and being artistic, yeah. but not so great at running a business. And I come from a family of creative people, um, but definitely not business people. So that was kind of the start of just knowing that I wanted to do something for myself or like work for myself, but not exactly sure how it's going to look. And then on the other side, my husband and I, we love travel. We've always loved traveling. And whenever we were traveling, I would always buy fabric and textiles from artisans. And we mm-hmm. prefer traveling a little bit off the beaten path, I guess you can say. And then it got to a point where it's all been like, I need to like start doing something with all these fabrics because <laughs> there's no more room for it. Taking up so too, much, why... uh, too much space, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's why or how it, I started thinking more about, okay, it's going to be textile base. It's something I'm passionate about because I studied textiles at uni as well. Mm-hmm. So I knew it will be something with that. So anyway, I knew who to work with, but I wasn't sure how and what capacity. And then another, I guess, an impact was with my husband's work, we move around quite a lot or like every few mm-hmm. years. So I was like, okay, I need something that's small or to, to start off small anyway, and then we can grow. And um, we were in the US when... COVID started and we had to move back. So I was like, okay, well, I need something now. Well, move back to Australia, I should mention. Um, So I was like, I need to start doing something now because I can't just sit around and wait for the perfect moment to happen. So I was like, okay, I'll do cushions. I'll start making cushions with all these fabrics and textiles that I've got. And we'll see how it goes from there. So when did this actually start? Was it before COVID that you began this business or...? Yeah, the idea of it started before COVID. So probably in the last three years or so, I started thinking about it and slowly mm-hmm. figuring out how I'm going to go about it. But then once COVID hit, I guess a lot of small businesses start once we went into lockdown. So I think that's when I probably started building the website and getting the rest of it done. 
Um, I started collecting fabrics like a few years ago, not just now. Mm-hmm. So basically, I guess to clarify, it's just been brewing for a few years in the background there and then COVID hit. And that's when you began to really use those fabrics that you were collecting, where you started making them into cushions and then expanded the product range into women's wear and baby wear, essentially. Yeah, that's exactly. And so do you continue to make them yourself or are they outsourced to some artisans? Um, or I saw your website that you mentioned you work with artisans from different places in the world. Are they supplying the fabric or are they also helping to produce uh, the products as well? Oh, it's a little bit of a mix. So there's one artisan group we work with in Sri Lanka. They mm-hmm. make the cushions as well and they weave the fabric. But the people we work with in South Africa and in Vietnam, we get the fabrics from them and then we make the products in Perth, Australia. So with our baby wear, we source it from a factory or little fabric shop here in Perth, but mm-hmm. they know the mills, they know where the cotton and linen's been grown, which is an important mm-hmm. thing for us. We want to be very transparent through the whole process, I guess. We would have liked to go to artisans for the baby wear, but <laughs> since that started after travel restrictions, we had to go a bit closer to home, which is a good thing as well. Like it supports Australian businesses. Yeah, the main thing is we make it in our first studio, most of the products. Yeah, that's so interesting. Because I know at the moment there's a lot of difficulty with actually bringing products from overseas, um, where a lot of small businesses have had to put a pause on their operations because of some issues with their supply chain. Um, where it might not necessarily be with shipping the goods over here, but sometimes it has to do with how they're produced in those overseas locations. Has that affected you? Yes, it has. I guess like our business is kind of built on traveling to see the artisans working. Like we prefer Mm -hmm. building a relationship with them and having a chat with them and see where they work and how they work. Mm -hmm. Um, And most of the artisans and the people we want to work with, we've got a few that we started communicating with. And then again, we were stuck here. Most of them don't have emails or a website that you can see going on so you have to physically go and visit them in their village so that's I guess where we suddenly have to make a plan to find something else or source fabric from like I said closer to home once travel restrictions ease that's one of the first things we definitely go back to visit these people that we were working Mm -hmm. with people were planning on working with people in Nepal and um, Mexico as well but then that never happened now well, that sounds very exciting for, for when, you know, when, we, when we get to that point where that's, that's on the table again. Yeah, it is. But it's, it's definitely made us sit back and think, okay, our business mm-hmm. model, is it really viable, yeah. especially in a time like this? And we were lucky enough with the people we work with in Vietnam. We mm-hmm. met them when we were there. And the owners, I guess, of the um, workshop is... The, the guy is Sri Lankan and the woman is from Eastern Europe. And we've been, com- been able to communicate mm-hmm. through email. And she's really good with showing me photos of what it looks mm-hmm. like before I can order it. And especially with our women's wear, we were able to design our own fabrics. And she would send me photos of samples before they weave the whole section. So that's been great. To be able to communicate that way, it's been really helpful. But I know not everyone in that position. No, I'm sure. Do you ever have problems with the designs not arriving on time or with, with miscommunication or, or any other challenges with regards to working with people in other countries? 
I think from the very beginning, I kind of knew that I shouldn't be putting a specific timeline. Things will probably be late or things will probably be a little bit different. The beauty of usually going to visit these people in person and buying directly from them is if we can see it before they ship it. But then, um, yeah, I don't know if I'm comfortable enough to order things from people I haven't worked with or I haven't seen. So I haven't had an issue with that yet. The only mm-hmm. thing that's happened with the people in Sri Lanka is you would order certain colored towels or something and it looks really nice in the picture when it gets here mm-hmm. it looks so much better than <laughs> what it looks like in the pictures so I can't really say good. that's a problem that's a good thing <laughs> um, but time-wise with some of the shipments we've waited quite a while for it but I don't put things on the website and I don't advertise it before we get it yeah um, and since we work on kind of made to order basis so we only make it once someone orders it that kind of eliminates a lot of waste. Yeah, that was my next question, actually. So so you sell mostly on Wix and that's made to order. Or do you have any other um, sales channels, maybe in person or wholesale that you also sell to? Um, we sell to a place called Good Sort, which is a business that sells Australian products. So that's another place, but mainly, mainly just our website. Sometimes in person, some of the people that know me personally will buy from us as well um but no wix is our main thing we don't have a shop i would love a shop front but for a small business it's not viable financially at the moment and i know a lot of people, especially when it comes to having to spend quite a lot of money on products i would prefer seeing it in person first it's a dream but i don't think that it's going to be a reality anytime soon well i mean i'm, I'm, sh- I'm sure you'll, you'll get there <laughs> yeah. um I mean, it looks like you're doing quite well already. Um, but I wanted to ask again, so for your online store, how did you actually gain the traction? Because it seemed like you went very quickly from just selling the pillows to opening new product ranges. Was that motivated by the sales on the website? Was it more part of, you know, let's expand the offering so that we, when people get to our website, there's more choice for them? What was the driving factor? And also, how did you gain traction on your website? So two questions there. So first of all, how I gained traction on the website, it was quite a slow start. I started working with a marketing company or marketing mentor, I guess you can call her and her team. And they really helped me with, because I'm clueless when it comes to business or marketing. I can't sell to anyone. (laughs) Um, So they've really helped me just to like put the products out there and show people what it's about. And I guess because it's not fake, like we really mean what we say and we really, we are passionate about these products and Mm -hmm. we know it's a good product. I kind of appreciate the artisans behind it more than anything else. They said, if you just, I guess, honest about it, it will come. But it was a slow, slow start. Instagram helped a lot. Um, Mm -hmm. And as soon as we started putting on videos, which was something I was very hesitant to do at first, but as soon as we started putting on videos of ourselves or talking on stories, um, that helped as well. We put a few Facebook ads out that gained a lot of traction. Um, I guess that's how the website started. So you're basically, you're saying that on Instagram, one of the ways that helped a lot was actually doing videos of yourself talking about the product on stories. Yes. and I. Or was that as a post? Um, in stories and in posts. Like I never thought it would be a thing because I was like, the people are here for the products, not for the people who make it. But they 
I guess because we are so passionate about it being ethically made and sustainably made or we make it in our studio, people want it to see that it's true. There's so many, so much greenwashing, I guess you can say out there. So showing people the real deal helped a lot. Wow. So in essence, you're talking about, um, so, you know, you get your phone, flip it on, I guess, sort of camera point to you and you just talk about what the product is and you show them how you're making it or do you just talk and then separately show videos? Um, we would have videos of how we're making it. Sometimes I would just have a little chat. I don't talk that much. I prefer, like for example, with reels, but I prefer filming it and then talking over it so that I can plan ahead. Like I'm not a comfortable person in front of camera. But there's other people that's amazing at it. So yeah, just talking about the products and specifically showing people how you make it. People love seeing behind the scenes. I would agree. I think there's a big you know, passion behind seeing where your products are made because it's, I think it's very different to just order something online and get it to yeah. ordering something and actually seeing how it's made and the story behind it. Exactly. And then when you receive it, it's so much more special. So one of, yeah, one of the biggest things for our company is like the products that we make or more the textiles that we work with, um, it's kind of a little piece of art, like these people, it's generations and generations of knowledge that's been passed down mm -hmm. and it's the way they make it. And like they get along with so little, but the, I guess the result is so amazing. So mm -hmm. I guess that kind of sells the products by itself without us even <laughs> doing too much. I'm in awe with what they can do. So I saw on your website, you have various photos of the artisans, which I think is quite cool. Um, I think it plays into what you're what you're talking about, showing how the products are made and, and the story behind them. So some of those photos were taken before we even wanted to turn this into a business. Once we can travel, we definitely go back and get better footage of how it's made. I've asked some of the people to send me, like uh, the lady in Sri Lanka, to send me some photos, but people don't always have the best equipment available. So it's definitely on our to-do list to go back and show people a bit more, I think. That will be nice. <laughs> so I guess that's one of the challenges with working with these sort of artisans is that it's going to be hard to really uh, engage with them. Yes, it seems. definitely. What um, was your other question? Good you mention that. That can part of that <laughs> two-part question. Was What was the motive behind expanding the range from pillows into the clothing, essentially, oh. where it seemed like you did that jump quite quickly? So I was curious as to whether was that driven by sales or was it driven by the I guess strategy to expand the offering for people um, it was mainly driven by the strategy to expand our offering I've mentioned before I did textiles and fashion at university and before I started this business I was a dressmaker so I was like oh it would be really nice to be able to use some of these textiles in clothing um, but I wasn't sure if it really fit in with the whole homewares niche but then talking to some people they said no they would really enjoy it they think it's a good idea so like okay, I'll give it a go and see if it works and I guess like I've mentioned before we kind of wanted to bring in this idea of buying ethical not just for your home but having it throughout your day-to-day -day life like on your body kids can use it I guess once I've kind of made up my mind that I wanted to do women's day it felt like a natural thing to just expand the range a lot of people have mentioned that they would like to see men's wear as well because there's a lot of women's wear mm -hmm. <laughs> labels out there 
Well, I guess I'd like some men's wear because obviously I don't think I'll be wearing any women's wear. We're definitely busy working on some designs, but it takes a long time and it's something that we said from the beginning, we don't want to rush anything and then it's not a great product. So we will rather take our time and make sure everything is perfect before putting it out there for people. Our business model, I guess, works a little bit different than your traditional business. And maybe that comes from the fact that I don't know too much about how to run a business that way. What stands out to me is that it's made to order. Yeah. So you can really expand it without having to carry inventory of the products that are in the range. So it gives you a lot of flexibility. I think, I think that's quite good. <laughs> and then we don't end up with like, we've made 20 cushions from this one fabric and people actually don't like it that much. And then we're stuck with having mm-hmm. to sell or get rid of 20 cushions. That was one of the biggest reasons, the initial yeah. ideas. Um, so we'd rather have the fabric and then if, one product is not as successful you can change it and turn it into something mm-hmm. else we're very adamant that we don't want a lot of waste because there's already way mm-hmm. too much and so it's the same fabric goes into the different types of products so let's say if, if you buy this fabric originally for pillows that same design can also go and be made into pants or, or, or different shirts yes, for that's example. exactly it especially the fabric that we're working with the people in Sri Lanka with because it's all cotton and it's Mm-hmm. kind of got the same properties so it's, I started just making dresses for myself and that's where I was like oh okay I should use this fabric for dresses for other people <laughs> as well because it's so nice and we work with natural fabrics anyway yeah it seems a lot of people start out like that yeah I think a lot of the designs came from where I did something for myself for what I liked and then other people say they like it as well could you maybe just describe a little bit what the fabrics are because I think people listening so that they can sort of visualize what, what we're talking about well, our homewares, there's lots of different fabrics. Some of it's made in Vietnam in Sapa. So it's indigo dyed, it's hemp, and they would go and hand embroider little stitches mm-hmm. over it. And that's hours and hours of work. It's got a really cool effect. People will probably have to go and see. I don't think I do things just as explaining yeah. it. So <laughs> it's col- some of it's colorful. Like the base is always indigo, and then they would embroider different colors on top of it. People we work with in Vietnam, it's all hand-woven cotton. Mm -hmm. So it's amazing. They use different colored threads. So the way the light falls on it will bring out different colors, which I find really cool. Sometimes it looks like there's a shimmer effect, but then it's just the different colors playing. There's no shimmering. Everything is yarn dyed, which means they will dye the actual yarn before they weave. Like a lot of fabrics they would weave the whole piece and then dye. But yarn dyed means every thread is individually dyed. We've got, oh, we've got some shwe shwe lap that's from South mm-hmm. Africa. And that's more, I guess, traditional tribal African prints mm-hmm. on it. So we decided to work with the indigos and blues and browns, mm-hmm. but you get some crazy colors. We've been considering using more vibrant colors in that as well, but we'll have to see if, if we're going to use yeah. it. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's quite cool on your website how for all the products, you show them in different settings. I'm just looking at the towels now, but you also show some close-ups with the texture where I think that's quite useful for people who can't actually see or feel your product in person. Having those close-ups, they can visualize what that texture would feel like to touch. Oh, okay. That's good to know because I'm always worried about the photos. Can people understand what it's like? Or Yeah, very, very actually. Um, we're speaking of before with how you make 
it to order. So your inventory, you're really just carrying essentially the, you know, the raw materials per se. So the fabrics, so uncut, and then you convert them into the products as, as they're ordered. So how, how do you manage that whole process of what you're making and the inventory part as well? Yes. I know how much fabric mm-hmm. I've got and I know how much fabric a cushion or a dress takes. So that's how I have an idea of how much is available because we are a small business. We don't get millions mm-hmm. of orders a week. I can stay on top of things, but we are also a, I guess, a bespoke shop in a way. Mm-hmm. We don't have millions of meters of fabric available. So once it's gone, yeah. it's gone. And because we're still small enough, I can stay on yeah. top of things. Once we get bigger, I'm going to have to be better at documenting exactly how much yeah. we've got left. I've had a situation before where someone ordered some of the cushions and there wasn't enough mm-hmm. fabric left, but then I would contact them personally. I will always try my best to sort out a situation, but that's only happened once, luckily. Most of it, <laughs> we've got more than enough. And then the inventory that we get from Sri Lanka, that's a set amount of Mm -hmm. cushions. And that's what I put in my um, website. And like, if there's four cushions, if people buy two, the website will show there's only two left. So yeah, so they update it. Yeah, Yeah. I would imagine it'd be quite complex with having all these fabrics coming in from different suppliers. (laughs) It seems that you deal with quite a few of them. So you definitely don't make it easy for yourself there. <laughs> no, I don't. But <laughs> I guess that's the only way I've been able to figure out how to not waste fabric. If there's a better way, I would love to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I would love to hear from it. But every roll of fabric I write down, okay, there's so many meters left. And then I know how much I can yeah. get out. It so it's very way. much sort of mental notes and written yeah. note taking of the inventory. I'm very old school with like writing everything on paper and it took a lot for me to just start getting a spreadsheet on the computer. So like I said, I'm very... <laughs> yeah, you work, work in steps as they say, yeah. I guess I'm a visual person and writing it on paper and drawing little is how I work in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, we spoke a bit about it earlier as well, but what sort of advice would you have for people who are starting out? If, you know, there's some things that really stuck with you that wow this made a huge difference in starting my business what would those things be first of all I would say be very very clear on what you want to do before you actually do it so I've mentioned it was like it took a long time for me to figure out how I want to go about it but I had a business plan and I've heard a lot of people say like don't just have a business plan and then put it in your drawer and never think about it again. Like constantly go back to it and make sure you're on the right path. Like we have like three core values and whenever I'm designing stuff or when I want to add stuff to the inventory, I'm always like, oh, well, does it go with our core values, which is like sustainable, mindful and integrity. So yeah, definitely be clear on what you want to do. And then unfortunately, it's just a lot of very hard work, lots of hours. Your family and friends are probably going to hate you for a while because all you <laughs> think about is your business. <laughs> but it's 100% worth it in the end. I've had, like, my family and my very patient husband has been great <laughs> with your support. And whenever you want to stop, they're like, oh, no, you're doing great. Keep going. And there's been many times where I feel like, oh, is this worth it? Should I just stop? And then, like, once another sale comes through or when you see new products like oh it helps so much yeah it definitely helps having a support system I've had Mm -hmm. a 
marketing mentor and her team they've been amazing just with like I said before I'm not good with marketing and just showing me what I can do and how things work Mm -hmm. and Instagram I have a very love-hate relationship with Instagram but I guess kind of need it like a lot of people do yeah (laughs) and yeah the marketing team they've been amazing they give advice and um Mm -hmm. i could go to them whenever i need something or if i have questions and i don't know what to do they're great with that i would definitely say find a mentor another business person that can just help you through it i think it's a very good point about having a support network because it's very true that a lot of entrepreneurs, they go in these cycles of high motivation, low motivation, high motivation, low, and that can have, you know, a serious toll on your, your, your mental state. So I think that's a very good point of making sure that, you know, as you're going into this business, you're aware that there are these, these cycles and that it's, you need to pick up on where, where you're dipping in your motivation and have some way of getting yourself back up where I think in your case, you talked about orders and I think also your husband and different mentors. So I, th- I think those are very good points that are often uh, missed. I think also uh, what I see with a lot of friends that's got their own businesses or starting their own business as well is like burnout is a real thing. It's like kind of a buzzword <laughs> that people started using the last year or so. But mm. I think being very aware of what you are capable of and when you need mm-hmm. to take a break, there was a time where everything I did was just business-wise and I would spend 14 hours a day just doing business stuff like on especially on our Instagram we were preaching about like the idea of slow living and taking time to spend with your Mm -hmm. family and loved ones because you kind of need that to build you up and I just realized well I'm not really doing that so the point was like okay no enough is enough like if it does Mm -hmm. today yes I'm gonna but that's okay as well like obviously still I think you need to be very disciplined on spending a certain amount of hours on your business, but also be disciplined on okay this time on a weekend or if there's a birthday party or especially if you need to switch off and be present with your people. I couldn't agree more with regards to burnout. I think a lot of people hear the stories of these you know, great businessmen entrepreneurs where they describe these years on end of just doing 14 hours a day to the point that you know we think that that is normal and that's what should be happening when really a lot of people and when most people, that's not sustainable. I know it's common as well that starting a business is very much an intimate journey where you learn a lot about yourself as well. Yeah. You learn about your limits, you learn about you know what picks you up, what brings you down. Where even I know me personally, I've learned a lot about myself as I've gone on this journey of, of starting various things that, that we've done here at Kaizen Tree. Yeah, it's definitely been a very big learning curve for myself, what my capabilities are. And then also things I thought that wasn't important, um, that is, and the other way around as well. Like (laughs) I've mentioned before, I studied fashion and art at university. So I'm so used Mm -hmm. to just being creative and in that space, which was amazing that I kind of felt like I haven't been using the other side of my brain (laughs) a lot. And then starting a business (laughs) and learning how to use the software and building websites and everything that goes with it. It's been frustrating most of the times, but then it's also been really great to know that, oh, I'm getting all this new knowledge and I'm actually using it. That's been an interesting path but then learning about yourself that's with some things I'm not as patient as I thought I I am (laughs) and then kind of pushing yourself to be calm at certain times and be more assertive I think that's one of my big problems 
like confrontation, but I guess sometimes you have to put your business hat on and be <laughs> something else and grow up in a way. That's been a big learning curve in the last year and a half, two years, but it's been great as well. Like you can, it's nice to look back and see how you were and how you are now and that things have changed and it's for the better, not in a bad way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. I guess sort of to wrap up here, where can our listeners actually get a hold of you, can check out your products and do you, do you say you ship around Australia? Yes, so um, people can find me on the website, which is at leafthelabel.com.au. And leaf is L I E F, <laughs> the label.com.au. Mm-hmm. And they can buy through Instagram as well. And we sell Australia wide, and we started looking at selling worldwide as well. But I'm always mm-hmm. wary of shipping times and so on. So we're still figuring mm-hmm. that out, but definitely Australia right now. Yeah. And if you are somewhere else in the world and you really love what we have, get in contact with me and I'm sure we can figure something out. <laughs> but, yeah. That's really good. We'll include a link and in description in, in the podcast on the website as well. So for anyone who wants to go directly to the website, you can see that quite easily. So yeah, it was great to have you here today. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was great. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Showcase. If you liked the episode, be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss out on the next one. The discussion continues online. Head over to kaizentree.com slash articles to share your thoughts on today's show and to read some of our articles which cover useful topics such as what to do about Apple's new iOS update. For more from Kaizen Tree, follow our Instagram at Kaizen Tree or visit our website www.kaizentree.com. That's www.kaizentree.com.